Good morning, uh, and welcome to worship on this, the 10th Sunday after Pentecost. Uh, my name is Nicholas Gonzalez, and I'm the associate pastor here at St. Andrew, and I'm so thankful to be here with you in worship today, and I pray that you are doing well and staying healthy, and I am so excited for worship this morning. As we begin, we do so in the name of our triune God, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, God promises that when we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and forgives us of our sins. Together, let us confess. We pray. Almighty and merciful God, we confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We do not desire to do your will and we wish to go our own way. We do not take responsibility for our actions and we have fallen short of your glory. Have mercy on us according to your steadfast love. Blot out all of our transgressions, cleanse us from sin, and by the power of your Holy Spirit, renew us so that we may live and serve you in newness of life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. In his great love for you, God sent his one and only Son into the world to die for you so that you would know forgiveness and grace. Therefore, as a called and ordained servant of Christ and by his authority, I declare to you the entire forgiveness of all of your sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
Our scripture lesson for today comes from the Old Testament book of 1 Kings, the 19th chapter, beginning at the 9th verse. At that place he came to a cave and spent the night there. Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, What are you doing here, Elijah? He answered, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the Israelites have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they are seeking my life to take it away. He said, Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Now, there was a great wind, so strong that it was splitting mountains and breaking rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a sound of sheer silence. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. Then there came a voice to him that said, What are you doing here, Elijah? He answered, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the Israelites have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they are seeking my life to take it away. Then the Lord said to him, Go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive, you shall anoint Hazael, as king over Aram. Also, you shall anoint Yeru, son of Nimshi, as king over Israel, and you shall anoint Elisha, son of Saphat, of Abel-Meholah, as prophet in your place. Whoever escapes the sword of Hazael, Yehu will kill. And whoever escapes the sword of Yehu, Elisha shall kill. Yet I will leave 7,000 in Israel, all the knees that have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. Hi, everyone. Can you think of a time when you asked God for help? Maybe you were struggling to study for a test, so you asked God to help you focus. Maybe you or someone you know felt sick, so you asked God for healing. Maybe someone was mean to you, and you asked God to help you forgive them. God is always there to hear our prayers and help us when we need it. I'm going to give you three one-word prayers that you can pray anytime and anywhere. The first prayer is help. When we feel sad, confused, or afraid, we can cry out to God and tell him that we need help. In today's Bible story, Elijah felt discouraged and afraid. He brought his pain to God, and God gave him strength. The second prayer is thanks. 
Don't forget to thank God for all the blessings He has given us. We can thank Him for our family and friends, our health and safety, and for His amazing love for us. The third prayer is wow. When we feel happy, surprised, or amazed, we can praise God. When I see a beautiful sunset, sing worship songs in church, or have fun with my friends, I can be in awe of God for the wonderful things He has done for us. These three prayers remind us of who God is and help us to build a relationship with Him. Let's fold our hands, bow our heads, and say a prayer. Dear God, help us to remember that we can cry out to you whenever we need help. Thank you for your amazing love and for the wow moments of life. We love you so much. In your name we pray. Amen. One of the great pop tunes of the mid-1960s was a song called Nowhere to Run by Martha Reeves and the Vandellas, which when you heard that song, it made you just want to get up and start dancing. Although ironically, the lyrics to that song were about a woman who was trapped in a bad relationship that she couldn't get out of and had nowhere to run to and nowhere to hide. And what's really interesting about that is that Lamont Dozier, who was the songwriter, was interviewed years later, and he admitted that those lyrics were actually designed to be a metaphor for all of the conflicts and all of the unrest that was going on in our country at that time in the aftermath of the assassination of President Kennedy, in the context of the Vietnam War, protests at home, and the ongoing struggle for civil rights, including voting rights. And so curiously, Nowhere to Run by Martha Reeves and the Vandellas became something of a, a theme song or an anthem, both for those who were serving in Vietnam and for those who were back home and were experiencing racial, social, political, military conflicts, interrupted dreams, strained relationships, and threats of various kinds, leaving a lot of people in our nation feeling like they just had nowhere to run to and nowhere to hide. And unless I miss my guess, I imagine that a lot of people are feeling about that same way today, for some of the same reasons and maybe for some new ones too. And if that's the case, then what I can tell you today is that you're in the good company of the prophet Elijah, who we meet in scripture at the lowest point of his life and his ministry when he actually does run and he goes into hiding. The story is that Elijah is the great prophet of God. He is a messenger of God, a legendary, nationally known figure in Israel. But he finds himself in a conflict with the prophets of a false god known as Baal, who, to make matters worse, is worshipped by the king of Israel himself, whose name was Ahab. And so Elijah goes to Ahab, tries to convince him to change his ways, reject that false god and his prophets, and return to the Lord. Ahab refuses, sends Elijah away, and left with no other choice, Elijah responds by ordering the defeat of the prophets of Baal, which takes place at a location called Mount Carmel, where a group of us from here at St. Andrew visited on election day of 2016, speaking of voting. And even though the battle was decisive and the victory was won, Ahab the king is furious, 
which is nothing compared to the outrage of his wife, Queen Jezebel, who was a big-time Baal worshiper and was really, really bad news in every other way. And Jezebel, in her fury, takes a vow to have Elijah the prophet hunted down and killed. And so here is this guy who has bet his life on the Lord on the message of the one true God. And he believes that he has done the right thing in order to save his country from this false God and from these profoundly ungodly leaders. And yet, instead of being hailed as a great prophet or a, even a hero, he is found running for his life into the desert. If he turns back and faces Jezebel, he's a dead man. If he spends his life wandering in the desert, he's a dead man. And so Elijah enters into this deep depression and time of great despair as he thinks about the state of his country and the failure of his ministry. Ultimately, he ends up in a cave, hundreds of miles away from Mount Carmel at a place called Mount Horeb, which is better known to you and me as Mount Sinai where God met Moses and laid down the law. And that's where the curtain rises on today's passage from 1 Kings chapter 19. But before we get into what happened there, let me just say to you that if you ever find yourself feeling kind of depressed or in despair, even though you are also a person of faith, maybe great faith, if you ever find yourself feeling like you just want to run away from all of the conflicts and the tensions that may be existing in your life, maybe because of a, of a personal or a professional conflict or an injustice or a, a relationship in will which you feel trapped and, and you can't get out of instead of facing it head on in one way or another. If you ever find yourself wondering why in the world anybody would have to pay a price for doing the right thing at home, at work, in society, in government, uh, in terms of standing up for your faith, then like I said, you're in the good company of the prophet Elijah. You understand the person who has a hard time fathoming how a ruthless scoundrel can prosper and an innocent, hardworking person of faith can get cancer and die. Or you can understand why in the very same year that Martha and the Vandellas recorded that great song, a young leader by the name of John Lewis walked 600 people across a bridge in the peaceful and righteous cause of securing voting rights in a nation that advertises itself as the land of the free where everybody is created equal and then is beaten and pushed back for having done it. Or maybe you know somebody who exposed the misdeeds of their leader or their boss, and in return, they got demoted or they got fired. Or maybe that person was you. And so is it any wonder why Elijah, the great prophet of Israel, would, if you'll pardon the expression, cave in? But here's the difference. When Elijah runs, he runs in the direction of God. He runs to Mount Horeb, better known as Sinai, where he knows that God met Moses and where God would also meet 
Elijah. And when God meets Elijah at Mount Sinai, he asks Elijah a question. It's a good question. He says, Elijah, what are you doing here? As if God somehow didn't know. And yet in response to that question, Elijah pours his heart out to God. He says, well, I'm here because my life has fallen apart. My ministry has backfired. My dreams are shattered. Israel is still unfaithful. Its leaders are still corrupt. And I got to sleep with one eye open because Jezebel is out to get me. And so quite frankly, Lord, I would just as soon lay down and die right here, right now. Elijah pours his heart out to God in response to God's invitation. And God's response to Elijah, however, is my favorite verse in the entire passage, 1 Kings uh, 19.11, where uh, God says to Elijah, go out and stand on that mountain. And so Elijah does. He goes and he stands on the mountain. And when he does, there is this spectacular display of nature, including a violent earthquake, a, a mighty wind, and a great fire. And if Martha and the Vandellas didn't get into my head first, I would have entitled this message, Earth, Wind, and Fire. But on the other hand, I've already done that with another passage from the book of Acts. And besides, God wasn't in the earth, wind, and fire, we are told. God was in a still small voice. God was in the, the sound of silence, which sounds like a contradiction in terms and also another song from the mid-60s. But in that quietness, the conversation repeats itself, after which God says to Elijah, you know, I want you to go back and I want you to anoint the next set of kings, and I want you to anoint Elisha as your successor, which is to say that God was not finished with Elijah by any means, but that he uses Elijah to pass the baton of prophetic ministry and leadership to those who would follow him with the promise that Israel would survive the Jezebels and the Ahabs and the Baals and the false prophets of this world and that Elijah and his ministry would always be a part of that as that work went on through those who would follow him. And so some people think that uh, Elijah was demoted or he was decommissioned by God because he ran and he hid. And maybe that's true. And maybe it's also true that God blessed him and God relieved him. And God counted his prophetic ministry as good, especially the fact that he stood up for the one true God at a critical time in his life, in the life of his nation. And maybe that's a roadmap for your journey and for mine too. And for whenever we feel like we just want to run away and, and hide from all of the conflicts and all of the tensions and all the pressures of this world, and we get to run in the direction of God. Not to Mount Sinai where God laid down the law for Moses. We get to run to Mount Calvary where the blood of Jesus Christ poured out for our forgiveness and, and for grace in our lives so that whenever we run to God, we find ourselves in the eternal arms of his embrace. And when, when God asks you, you know, what are you doing here? You can pour out your heart to him, whatever's in it. 
And then you can listen for his still small voice, for his word. You can be still and know that he is God who doesn't always act in these fiery and spectacular ways, but is always with us even when we don't think he's with us, he is always with us. And as a wise person once said, God will never be disillusioned with you because he was never under any illusions about you in the first place. And so if the story of Elijah tells me anything, it tells me that faith does not make me immune from the conflicts and the tensions and the disappointments and the sins and the brokenness of this world. Faith gives me the power to endure and to persevere through those things in the, in the sufficiency of a power that's greater than I am until God either gives me f relief from my trouble or the strength to persevere all the way through. And either way, it's good because God is good. Or as Psalm 91 says, he will hide me in the shelter of his wings. And so at his worst, Elijah was a man of God, a prophet of Israel. So great, in fact, that he even shows up in the pages of the New Testament, like at the transfiguration of Jesus. So great, in fact, that when Jesus came onto the scene, a lot of people thought that Jesus was a reincarnated Elijah. And so you must have done something pretty good to be confused with Jesus. And it also tells me that at your worst, you're no worse than Elijah. You are a child of God saved by grace from that cross on Mount Calvary. You are part of the beloved community. And you and I in our own way are messengers of God in our generation for this broken and troubled world. And so if you ever feel like you have nowhere to run to and nowhere to hide, I would encourage you to go ahead and run. Run in the direction of God. Find your shelter in him. Pour your heart out to him and listen to him in his word. Be still and know that he is God in all the highs and lows, ups and downs, joys and sorrows of this life and that you belong to him. Go stand on the mountain as he sees you through and brings you at last to the mountain of God forever. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
Together, church, we join Christians all around the world as we confess our common Christian faith found in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Together, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, we pray for the church, the world, and for all of creation, trusting in God to hear us as we call. Let us pray. Almighty God, grant that we who have been redeemed by the waters of holy baptism may be renewed in your Holy Spirit to live in righteousness and true holiness and strengthen us as we grow in our faith in the midst of any trials and tribulations. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord God, bless, encourage, and sustain the injured and ill. Be with those who are dealing with ailments of both body and soul. Give them strength and heal them according to your good and gracious will. And hear our prayers for all those who we lift up to you in the secrets of our hearts, that they may know you as their help and their shield. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord God, we pray for those who have lost everything and anything due to Hurricane Isaias. Allow them to cling to the promise that you will provide calm in the midst of this storm and continue to watch over them. We also ask for protection and safety for first responders, volunteers, and all public servants who are serving those people in this time of great need. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Gracious God, in the midst of evils and perils of this world, we ask for your protection and seek your comfort. We pray especially for those who are suffering loss, pain, and anguish in Beirut. Give them a measure of your strength and comfort them during this time of great need. We also ask that you would be with those who are investigating and those who seek to provide protection for those people. Watch over them, and may they find rest in the peace that comes through Jesus Christ, and may they know that you hold them in the palm of your hand. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Faithful God, you called Elijah out of hiding and protected him in the face of persecution. We ask that as we face the perils of this world, you would protect us and watch over us always. Help us to remain steadfast in our faith and turn to you as the source of our power and might. Give us confidence in your promises and may we trust in you to lead us and be with us all the days of our lives. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Heavenly Father, into your hands we commit all for who and for what we pray, trusting in you as together we pray the family prayer of the church. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. of Elijah declaring the word of the Lord and these are the days of your servant Moses righteousness being restored and though these are days of great trials of famine and darkness and sun still we're the voice in the desert crying Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Behold, He comes, riding on the clouds, shining like the sun. At the trumpet call, lift your voice. It's a year of jubilee, and out of Zion's here salvation comes. And these are days of Ezekiel the dry bones becoming as flesh and these are the days of your servant David rebuilding the temple of praise and these are the days of the harvest the fields are as wide in your world and we are the laborers in your Declaring the word of the Lord Behold he comes Riding on the clouds Shining like the sun At the trumpet call Lift your voice It's a year of jubilee And out of science here Salvation comes There's no there's no God like Jehovah. 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 Church, receive this blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with his favor and give you his peace. Amen. Go in peace and serve the Lord. Thanks be to God.